0: Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm.
1: Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through
2: and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin.
1: And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Manoj Agarwal. Manoj is an entrepreneur, investor, and CTO of TetraNoodle, a software consulting company that helps startup founders with tech projects. Manoj started his career at the age of 15, working in a factory for 12 hours a day, six days a week, earning only $2 per day. By leveraging modest educational resources into better opportunities, He has become a technical leader and CTO of multiple startups. Through mindfulness and meditation, he broke through the emotional and mental barriers he faced along his journey. Manoj remains passionate about education and spirituality, now helping other entrepreneurs achieve their business goals. To find out more, you can visit innergamepurpose.com. Manoj, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you.
2: Pleasures all ours, Manoush. We're very excited for this conversation. It's very impressive what you've been able to do through your life. That's a kind of change that a lot of people dream about making. So we're excited to hear about how you would guide other people with a new business idea, which is the focus of this podcast. So let's kick things off. Tell us about an idea that you would like our listeners to run with.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, one of my passions, as you just read in my bio, is spirituality and a lot of knowledge about how we work with our own mind, our spirit, our body. I have learned a lot, my teachers, my mentors about these concepts. But one thing I found was a lot of this knowledge is actually passed on to the next generation through word of mouth. And through this process, a lot of it actually gets lost or it remains in a few close groups where these people with this knowledge is sharing it with people who are interested or in their family or circle. And it's not getting out there to general public. So one of the ideas that I have been exploring is to find all these mentors and spiritual leaders and take the essence of their teachings and put it in one repository where people can access it, learn from it and improve their lives. I've been talking to some spiritual leaders, I've been talking to some consumers and I've gotten good feedback around this idea so we can talk about this idea if, if you like
2: that sounds very interesting i guess we'd like to hear a little bit more of the background in terms of it sounds like you are getting into that who are you trying to serve who are you picturing when you're talking about this tell us a little bit more about the problem i should say
0: yeah so the key thing here will be you know first i need to figure out what will be the target audience who are we going to serve through this platform should we get into that nitty-gritty steps on how to go about building this
1: So I'll cut in here just to summarize kind of what we've stated as what you might call the problem. And I would say that what's coming across is it's really roadblocks. Particularly, we'll get into who the audience for this, but it sounds like entrepreneurs is going to be in there as a major portion of who those people are. The special problem is people want to get somewhere and they have a roadblock. And specifically, the problem is they think that they need one thing when they need another is probably a part of what that problem is.
0: Sure, sure. You know, When I work with my clients, people who are looking for help, advice, coaching, a lot of times they're working at a very superficial level, meaning they're always talking about, okay, I want to get to the next level in my career, in my business. What are the strategies I should use? What are the tactics I should use to do that? And then... Through my own journey and talking to a lot of other people, what I've determined is if we don't work on ourselves, if we don't focus on learning about what are our own biases, our own belief systems, our own thought processes, and how they were shaped through our personal experiences in life, it doesn't really matter what tactics or what strategies I use because those strategies may be really beneficial for me. But if I'm not in tune with my own self, I will end up self-sabotaging myself and you know, think that, oh, this is not going to work. And maybe I won't even try it, or I will try it in a in a way that is not really going to produce results. So whenever I work with clients, I try to dig a little bit deeper about their own journey. And if required, introduce themselves to their own thought processes. Like, you know, a quick example could be some people think, you know, sales is a It's a dirty word or they don't like selling because it means they are asking for something in return and that goes against their spirit of giving or helping other people. And that could be linked with some experience they had in their childhood or whatever. So it's very important to get to that level of detail and figure out, okay, you know, what are the hurdles, their own hurdles that they are facing and what is the root cause for these hurdles where are they coming from where do they originate and generally these thoughts these beliefs they are directly linked with a specific event that happened in your childhood where you you experience certain disappointment you experience certain hardship and you tell yourself through that experience that never ever i'm going to try this in my life and that slowly starts to become your truth your internal truth Um, And now that truth guides your decisions, your day-to-day life. If you grow up thinking you'd never want to do sales and you're thinking about launching a company, it's not going to work. So no matter how much I tell you, okay, launch this app, this is a brilliant idea, what I do, that's not going to work. So the first step is to understand yourself. And that's where, you know, this whole concept of gathering this knowledge about ourselves comes into the picture. Because if you start with that, then everything else becomes so much easier. And this is not just like, you know, my own perception, my, like, you know, some hippie agenda. If you look at some of the, Big names, you know, talk about Steve Jobs, talk about Mark Zuckerberg. Steve Jobs, as we know, like, you know, he spent a whole portion of his life in India learning meditation and all that stuff. So he actually, if you read his autobiography, he attributes a lot of what he was able to achieve to his work on his own mind. And when Mark Zuckerberg went to Steve for advice, when he was, you know, growing Facebook, Steve said to him, what the first step you need to do is go to India and learn meditation. Not, okay, build a product or this is you need to do with UX or this is what you need to do with technology. It's more about work on yourself, right? And that's documented. And actually Mark Zuckerberg spent one month in India learning meditation before coming back and expanding Facebook. That is where I take my cues. And that is where, you know, I see, okay, this is a valid way of doing things and changing or transforming your life.
1: So I noticed that in some of your materials, you've mentioned that you have a spiritual practice and that spirituality has been important to you, but you highlight that it's non-religious. And I'm curious because I'm sure listeners might be thinking, oh, I'll get into this app. It's just trying to enroll me in some sort of religion. It's, you know, I'm going to become this, you got to follow this guru or something like that. So just to clarify for listeners and people who are interested in this idea, What's your approach to explaining the difference between the spirituality that can be found here versus the religiosity that people might be a little bit disconcerted by?
0: The app is just a conduit to the content that can help you resolve these issues. So an app itself is not going to do anything until you actually consume it. Actually, you become aware that this is a problem that you need to face. A lot of people have mental well-being problems and they don't even consider going to therapists because they think that is going to put a label of them being out of their mind or something that is not a considered positive thing in society. So they try to avoid even going to therapists, even though, you know, their doctor may have actually prescribed it. So that's the first barrier you need to cross personally. If you recognize there's a problem, you need help and there is no harm in getting help. And so once you get to that point, then you can use that to figure out Maybe you take some initial basic lectures and try to understand why this is important. And through those lectures, you can ascend to the next level where you say, okay, you know, I have issues with my money beliefs, or I have issues with procrastination, or how to utilize my time properly, how to plan, how to delegate, whatever that roadblock is, then you can get into those specialized pieces of content. and. None of us have a single issue. I think most of us recognize that we have multiple issues. Once we address one, we can start to look at you know, another area of our lives we want to improve upon. It's more like you know personal development. But by providing the content that is unique, that has been accumulated over centuries, and that is not reaching the general public. So that that is sort of the idea.
2: Ethan and I are big believers in this. We kind of met through... A group which is advocating the busting of, call it limiting beliefs. I guess the objection that comes to mind for me, and this will be an interesting way to dive into it, would be, this is a deeply personal thing. Everyone has different experiences that create these roadblocks and different roadblocks. How do you build an app that can meaningfully address that?
0: Spirituality is very personal. It's you trying to understand your mind, body, and soul. Nothing to do with any religion, nothing to do with any methodology. It's you exploring yourself. And you can borrow from religion, you can borrow from multiple uh, spiritual leaders, or you can come up with your own ways of exploring your consciousness. It's all about exploring your consciousness and getting familiar with that. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you break it down, we identify generally... We identify ourselves as the physical body but when we start to uh, you know understand a little bit about how uh, how you know how, what life is all about we start to see that our soul is a separate entity from our body and a mind is separate entity from both of these things and they all sort of conspire with each other and allow us to experience life and then the next step is we realize that also The way that we experience life is we used to think that this is reality, but actually whatever we experience is just a perception of the actual reality, which could be very different from reality. So these are some of the steps that you need to get to, how can I say it, like for the lack of a better word, to awaken spiritually. And that has nothing to do with religion. A lot of atheists, a lot of people who don't even believe in God, they are spiritual. And when I talk about religion, and I have studied several religions, at the end of the day, the essence of each religion is also similar. So they say, you know, you need to explore yourself, become more conscious and connect with the higher power and all that. They all have similar messages. The only thing is people who deliver the messages, they have their own biases as well. So they tend to, you know, add their own flavor to it add their own prescribed way of exploring consciousness is what I call organized religion. But if you take away that prescription and do self-exploration and, you know, listen to these teachers on your own and make your own determination, that's what I call individual spiritual. Does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think basically what you're saying is you'll see a lot of these patterns in religions. They're powerful things. So it makes sense that you would find them in these powerful organizations. But in essence, it's less about following any specific one and more about the principles that you'll find within them and really finding your own approach to them.
2: Let's get into the action steps here. What are some specific things that a listener could do to make some progress on this idea?
0: Yeah. So the first thing is we have this idea, which sounds like a good idea, but we need to get more clarity and actually see if somebody is interested in it. So the first step is to validate the idea. So what I generally do is take that idea and talk to as many people as possible about the idea and get some validation, get some feedback and see if they like the idea, first of all. Are they going to consume this uh, product uh, in any way, shape, or form? And the most important question is, are they willing to pay for it in some way or the other? And payment could be in terms of hard cash. It could be in terms of their time in there are several ways of monetizing the ideas. So that's the first step, getting clarity, getting validation from your actual target audience. And you know that target audience could also change as you explore because you may think that this could be very valuable for uh, young people between 25 to 35. Um, But as you talk to them, you may find out that, you know, people have no interest in that age group, but people from 35 to 45, they have much more interest in these things. So now that becomes your customer avatar and getting your branding needs to cater to that target audience. So that's sort of the the cycle you need to go through to get your idea refined.
2: About how many people and how many conversations would you have to say that you have a good sense that this is worth building?
0: I will say that if you have, like, you know, at the very least 20 to 25 engaged people who have given you feedback, not just like on a cursory level, but actually, you know, they're interested, they gave you detailed feedback, then I think out of those 20, 25 responses, you can start to draw some conclusion. But obviously, if you get more feedback, it's even better. And so,
1: just to get some clarity for the process for someone, it sounds like you would have someone spend some time maybe not differentiating too much in the beginning. Maybe you're just talking with friends and family. Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? Of course, you'll get some people who are skeptical. It doesn't matter. But you keep talking and then you start narrowing down to who the actual market sounds to be, right? Because maybe you'll get an interest in a specific age group, like you said. And then at a certain point, you're going to start testing pricing and things like that, right? Like, will people pay for it? What would you say is the kind of number of conversations you might have at each of those stages? like? just talking about it then narrowing down a little bit more who the audience is then actually testing payment pricing value
0: in my approach i never separate them so first of all when you mention friends and family i try to avoid that because friends and family they could be very nice to you and sometimes you know give you objective feedback but if i do talk to friends and family one question i do add always is okay i'm really happy you like the idea but will you pay for it and that's when real feedback comes out because a friend or a family member generally not say it's a bad idea, but as soon as you say, will you pay for it or invest in my venture, that's when they say, ah, you know what, like, uh, I let me think about it. Or, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, you need to do a little bit more work before I can start considering paying for it or investing in it. And that's when you know that they're not really giving you the picture. So even if you... Don't talk to friends and family. I always think that you need to bring monetization right into the first conversation, because if they say it's a good idea, but I'm not going to pay for it, it's still not a good business idea. It may be a hobby idea, but not a business idea.
2: The question that comes to mind is pondering what is out there already. I'm thinking of companies like Mind Valley and other spiritual education type platforms uh, that's the most prominent one that comes to mind what would be different about this business than what what mind valley offers
0: the way that i look at the world avoiding competition is almost like a myth to me I don't really think that in this age there is a way to avoid competition. The only thing that we can do is find a different niche, right? A different, slightly different niche or package the product differently or target the product at a different audience. Because pretty much every field you see, like, you know, you want to buy a car, there are 10 different brand makes. And within even the same brand, there are 10 different models you can pick from. You want to buy a shirt, you want to buy food, whatever there is, there's lots of competition. And then the other thing is, this is also related to my spiritual journey where you know i used to think okay there's only limited amount of money there's only limited amount of opportunity to go around when you sort of you know look at the world from a different angle you see that the world is abundantly you know even if your idea competes with mind valley if you can execute it well if you do all these steps you can still find a niche that may consume your product and they may also consume mind valley product uh, it doesn't have to be like one or the other So it's about figuring out what is your focus, what is your audience and how you package the product and not necessarily be afraid of competition.
1: It also sounds to me, just to give my own answer from what you've said before, it sounds like you would think about targeting more towards implementing ancient wisdom, but it's not as much so trying to connect you directly with it. It's more connecting you with a modern day modification of it or something.
0: Exactly. That's a big differentiation right there. But that being said, earlier, I won't hesitate if we feel strongly enough and we collect enough data and there's a place for a competitor of Mind Valley. I mean, that's uh, perfectly okay as well.
1: Right. And I think it's clear that if you could start with this idea of connecting people with ancient wisdom and teachers of ancient wisdom, and slowly as you ask questions and differentiate and find out what you actually need to do, it, it may turn into something different.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's another thing, you know, the nature of business is like, you know, we, we call it pivoting and you have to do quite a bit. And, uh, you know, the more uh, data based decision that you make, you may find through your journey after you collect enough data that it's time to pivot. And that's OK as well. And that's baked into the process itself.
2: Let's take us back to these action steps. You've had 20, 25 conversations. You have a good sense for where you want to go with this idea. What's the next step?
0: Yeah, so the next step will be to start preparing some a model through which you can determine whether this venture is a success. So what I'm basically talking about, some KPIs. So it could be revenue per month. It could be number of uh, users, new signups per month. It could be the time spent, uh, an average duration of the time spent by each user. So these are all the KPIs that we need to do collect and determine whether our project is going in the right direction or not. So if we get initial feedback that is positive, we still want to make sure that it is going in the right direction as we launch our app. So those are the KPIs we need to figure out what are we going to track. The next step will be to actually start building the product and start offering it. And again, here, you know, rather than jumping full force into building the product from the ground up, we can build a smaller version of the product which we call MVP, minimum viable product, bring it to market, offer it to the people we talk to and some other people similar to those who have expressed interest, and then start tracking the KPIs. Like, do we see any signups? Do we see people paying for it? Do we see people spending enough time on the app? Uh, You know, these are all the signs or feedback loops that will tell us uh, whether the project is on track. You know, the assumptions we made while building this, they are still valid or not.
2: When you're launching this MVP, I imagine that you would start with maybe just one course or a couple courses. Is that what you were picturing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be even like one course. It could be like a PDF. It could be like I don't know whatever that minimum viable product is. We will need to determine it based on the feedback we got and figure out what is the most important aspect of the solution to the potential client. So if they are looking for a, you know a course, yeah, I mean we gotta put in a course in the first MVP launch, or if they're just looking to figure out, okay, you know, what this is all about, it could be just like an ebook, a PDF, or whatever that case is, you know, in the MVP stage to prove that you are getting enough traction, people are actually buying into this idea, and they're actually enthusiastic about it. I always advocate to sell on day one. So when I said earlier, when we are doing our due diligence, getting feedback, one of the important questions... We ought to ask: Is are you going to pay for it? And then a follow up question will be: How much are you going to pay for it, right? And so we have already done that due diligence initial feedback collection cycle that people are going to pay for it. So when I say PDF, I did not mean that uh, you know necessarily we'll give it away for free. It's just that we determined that for the MVP, a PDF could be enough, and we may be able to charge uh, something like a dollar or some i don't know whatever that number is that we can charge in the mvp stage that is the best case scenario because if you can prove that people are going to pay in the mvp stage you know like as you know like a lot of startups don't reach that stage until much much later so that will be my approach and again i'm trying to simplify here it may not work in all scenarios in in many cases you may have to give away the product for free to get uh, initial feedback but my preference will be to start generating revenue as quickly as possible
1: And just to elucidate a little bit more, let's say you have a PDF that you're giving to people that you find is something that people are wanting, looking for. At what point is the charging, you know, because you have to test prices, you have to know you're making something of value. But a PDF or an ebook sounds like the type of things you might be giving away. How are you making a transition between those minimal viable products that are free versus minimal viable products that are paid? What are you thinking?
0: No, no. My main thing is that I don't want to inject myself and my biases into the product. I want to make all those decisions based on the objective feedback I'm getting from the customer. So if they say I will pay for a PDF, then I will offer that. If they say I will pay for a course, I will opt for that. If they say uh, overwhelmingly that they're not going to pay for anything in the MVP stage, then I'm not going to force them to pay for anything. Make sense? It depends on the feedback you're getting directly from the consumers.
1: So in actuality, it sounds like within this type of a project, you could go in saying, I want to build an app that helps people connect with ancient spiritual wisdom. And you know, six months later, you've got a book that gives people a new process that nobody's ever thought of, but combines maybe some ancient spiritual wisdom, but they might not even see that there was ancient spiritual wisdom involved in the production of it. But just the fact that you continue to engage with the clients that you initially wanted to serve, you might end up with something completely different.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that, right? Like Because at the end of the day, we are building a product to serve somebody else, not trying to prove a point that, hey, you know, this was my original idea and I damn well going to prove that this is a valid idea, right? That's basically businesses to earn money by producing value for your consumers. And if the consumers are leaning one way, you got to lean that way, right?
2: I would have tried to try and understand it, you are trying to figure out whether there's an appetite in the market for this problem and for a solution related to it, and you're not as hung up on specifically what that product looks like and how much you would charge or, or the delivery method. So, yeah,
0: MVP stage will be again releasing that product, hopefully, charging for the MVP value that you're providing, getting more feedback, tracking raw data to be able to give you those KPIs that we talked about earlier. So, you know, time spent on conversion rates, whatever the KPIs you determine will tell you whether this is successful or not. So now once you have collected that data, now you can say, okay, 100 people downloaded the app, but only 10 people are opening the app, even if they download it. So that means based on our criteria, It's not a success. We need to do something else. And then, you know, you need to iterate over whatever that problem is. Or if the data says, well, we sent 100 people, 100 people downloaded the app, almost 50 people spend 10 minutes on this app, almost uh, 10 people spend like 30 minutes per day on the app. This is amazing. This is more than we expected. Let's keep going. Let's add more features. Let's, uh, you know, we're getting good response. So those are the KPIs that tell you whether you are successful, you're on track or not.
1: So given that we're talking about that you might pivot through the process of developing something like this, at what point do you keep pivoting? And at what point do you say, oh my gosh, I'm just going to stop with this? You just get to a certain point where you say, I pivoted, I pivoted, I pivoted. I'm just going to go someplace completely different. Do you have any thoughts on that and where you make those decisions?
0: See, this is where individual's uh, conviction comes in, right? There are no hard and fast rules. A lot revolves around money, you know, money and resources. So if you don't have money, you need to put in time. If you don't have time, you need to put in money. So uh, there comes a point where both of these things run out because if you're not getting success, there's a mental fatigue that sets in. There's a financial fatigue that sets in. It really depends on your conviction, uh, whether you want to keep going or you want to give up as an entrepreneur, or you want to completely pivot and work on a brand new idea. And I wish I there was a formula for that, but it's basically upon the individual and they say, okay, I launched an MVP. I thought it will do much better, but it didn't. But I know there's a clear path from here to where I want to take it because I've got feedback. I have more clarity now. I can build it. Or they can say, I thought it was a good idea. I got some feedback, which is really terrible. I should come to my senses. This is not going to work. Uh, Might as well cut the losses, move on to another idea. That is an individual decision they can make at that point.
1: Right. But I think the word conviction sounds interesting here. This sounds like an interesting perspective on conviction, right? So it's like it's a conviction based on principle that this is an idea that people need but I'm just not hitting it. I'm not just not delivering it in the right way. As opposed to, I love this idea. I have so much conviction that I love it. I think it's great. So it's like a different type of conviction. I think that people are typically familiar with being attached to an idea yeah, versus yeah. A sort of conviction that there's a need for it.
0: Yeah. So always, always uh, I try to incorporate the component of direct feedback from the consumer. So my individual conviction means nothing if it is not coupled by some feedback from the consumer. So when I said, like in, in this scenario, let's say we, we determined that, you know, 100 people downloaded the app, but they're not using it enough. So that means there was some interest. Those 100 people saw something to take the action, download the app on their phone, but just didn't feel compelled to log in. And that now becomes a problem which we can work with and figure out, is there a feature that is missing? Is there something we can make it easier for people to log in? Did we educate them enough? What are the benefits of logging in? So that becomes a focus problem to solve. And then we can say, okay, you know, this is the problem we can solve. Let's brainstorm on what we can do to solve this problem. And then again, collect the feedback. So let's say we make a tweak. We make it easier for people to log in. And then we collect another set of data. And now we determine because of all the changes we made, 100 people download the app and then 25 log in. That means there has been a more than 200% increase in the KPI we were tracking. So we are going in the right direction, things are working out, let's keep going. Or we spend a whole bunch of time tweaking things and blah, blah, blah. The signups are still 100, but people are still not using the app. At that point, you have to face the reality and say, okay, is this really a good idea? Or we are missing something. And that depends on case-by-case
2: basis. seems like this would be a two-prong problem. I mean, multiple prongs, but at least the two big prongs that come to mind are creating content that is good enough, engaging enough for people to want to pay for and to building a vessel to contain that content and getting people to come back to that vessel. It could be an app, it could be a website, something else. What do you think about the strategy of let's say you were making a video course of creating the course or getting this content producer to put that content on Udemy, which would be a platform where there are already a lot of people on there who are used to Paying some amount of content, there are always deals on Udemy, might not make a ton of money out of it, but you would get that user base there to provide rapid feedback. There are other platforms out there where you can do similar things with PDFs. What do you think about that strategy?
0: So yeah, again, always, in my opinion, these are uh, different ideas that you can brainstorm, but then take it to the market and then determine what will work. For example, you said, yeah, I mean, I can publish it on Udemy, but I know I don't want to be on Udemy for the long term because it's not going to produce the profits that I'm looking for. But Udemy is a very quick way for me to test the market and see if people are interested in it. So I can use that and, you know, come up with a, a phased um, approach of using all these avenues in different phases of my journey. I can start off by putting some content on Udemy get some feedback and then say, oh, okay, you know, now it's time to package it up into an app or something like that. So, or we can say, hey, how about we create a lead magnet course, which is a free preview and put it on Udemy so that, uh, you know, people can be aware of this. And then based on that, if they want more content, they can sign up for the app and pay for the premium content. So this is all done on case by case basis through brainstorming, through hit and trial. Like there are so many ways you can skin the cat.
1: Because people are going to want to try to start this out, right? That's, that's what we're, which we're trying to get people to do. Give us one piece of resource for the ancient wisdom where they could go get the content. Is there like a specific book you'd go to or a specific person or anything like that as sort of your initial recommendation?
0: Okay, so if you just search for shamanism, on, I'm pretty sure you'll get like millions and millions of responses. This is again, you know, a very individual approach. But in my way of doing things, like I will say, okay, this is the content I need. What is the best source I can think of? And let's say I determine I want to talk to rain shamans. I can basically just approach that or... I can say, you know, spiritual healers or whatever. Again, there's a lot of resources available online, but you need to determine who you want to talk to then figure out how you're going to search for these people uh, through Google, LinkedIn, whatever. Then you need to figure out how you're going to reach out to them. What are you going to offer? What are you going to say to them? Uh, Why will they want to work with you? You need to figure out, you know, that messaging, come up with the background, come up with the reason why you're doing this, why you're passionate about it, and then start to get these people involved. And that's another of feedback, because now you're building a marketplace where you need to figure out what the buyers want. And also you need to figure out what the content providers want, right? So in this case, you'll need to dial in, you know, what are their motivations going to be to work with you, whether it's you know money, whether it's the ability to share their message with a wider audience, whatever that is, you need to satisfy that requirement as well.
1: Great. I think that's a good answer. We can wrap up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you very much for your time here, Manoj. Listeners, if you are on board with this idea, take some action. Email us at update at runwithit.fm with what you have done as a result of this podcast. One lucky listener will potentially get a mentorship opportunity here with Manoj in addition to starting up this new business idea. Manoj, this is a chance for you to talk a little bit about your existing businesses. Take it away.
0: Sure. Well, thanks a lot. As I said, I work with startup founders, entrepreneurs, and I help them build a business around their lifestyle, around their core values, rather than the other way around. And if anybody is interested, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Just search for my name. I'm fairly active on these two platforms. Or check out my website, go to tetranoodle.com, and there are a lot of free resources available. There are also two video series that are right there on the homepage on my website. And these two video series will give you a lot of you know, step-by-step instructions on how to launch a company, how to grow a company, and also how to cultivate a positive entrepreneurial mindset.
2: Great. We will link to that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you very much, Vinuj. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and looking forward to talking to you again next time.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.
2: Now, it's time for you to run with it. Follow through
1: on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers, and one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started.